0: The SoundPrints Audio Magazine, a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind. SoundPrints is underwritten by the American Printing House for the Blind and the Louisville Downtown Lions Club. I'm Carla Rushville. I'm your host for this week's magazine. Welcome to SoundPrints for the week of December 6, 2015. Our first feature this week, on page 2, is a very positive, optimistic address given by Dr. Craig Metter. Vice President of Educational Services at the American Printing House for the Blind. He is introduced by Deb Lewis, KCB President, and he spoke as part of the Friday evening Golden Goblet Dinner and Anniversary Celebration at the KCB 50 Golden Years Conference and Convention. Craig came to APH in May of this year and has a long career in the field of blindness, including serving as Principal of the Washington State School for the Blind. Following his speech, you will hear Deanna Scoggins, chair of KCB's awards committee, present the James Carl Dotson Award to Dr. Tuck Tinsley in recognition of his many years of service to the blind community as a teacher, administrator, and president of APH. Craig then accepts the award on Tuck's behalf. As most of you probably know, Tuck Tinsley is retiring as APH president at the end of this year, and we are pleased to learn earlier this week that Craig Metter will be his successor. The four-chapter Christmas with the Council party held here in Louisville is now history, and it was a great success. 82 people came out for the occasion, including seven children, eight teenagers, and 15 21-40-year-olds, You'll get to enjoy some of the fun on page three. Debbie Dethridge, president of the Greater Louisville Council of the Blind, welcomes everyone and reviews the menu. The invocation is given by Bill Dethridge, newly elected president of Guide Dog Users of Kentucky. Sue Ellen Milo, president of the Tri-State Library Users, shares a traditional holiday poem. Amanda Salm, newly elected secretary of the KCB Next Generation Chapter, leads The Christmas Jeopardy game, Deanna Scoggins and Dave Trevino from the Guide Dog Users of Kentucky add lots of laughs with the music, and Mr. and Mrs. Santa, Michael and Angie McCarty, make their traditional appearance. And please be sure to check out the Sound Prince calendar on page 4 for more holiday fun and celebrations. Page 2 I would like to
1: welcome our guest speaker this evening his name is Craig Mitter and he is going to be presenting a talk technology's golden future keeping with our golden theme and he's from um, the uh, printing house he's vice president of educational services and product development at the American printing house for the blind here in Louisville So, I would like to let um, Craig take over the microphone now, and I'll let him speak with us, speak to us.
2: Thank you. It's good to be here with you all. I was asked to speak about technology's golden future, but I'm going to be very honest with you, I'm an end user i i don't develop technology um, and i 'm probably a low end user of technology. so when they hired me at APH they didn't hire me for my smarts in technology, uh, but they they thought that perhaps I could take the talent that was at APH uh, that knew about technology and maybe help them focus a bit so you you technopaths out there you, you know what we 're talking about you you uh, You brilliant minds that sometimes have a hard time bringing it all together. But we're going to talk about that a little bit. But before we do that, I'm going to talk a little bit. I came from the field of education before moving to Louisville, Kentucky. And fortunate enough that I started as a TVI. We actually started in the dorms at the Oregon School for the Blind many, many years ago. And came up as a TVI and got my training. So when I came into the field, we were still in the Perkins Brailler stage and um, pretty much everything we did with students was with hard copy Braille, swing cells, the Perkins Brailler, uh, the pattern series, and that's how we taught Braille, that's how we taught literacy, and that was very effective. Then within a few short years, we started seeing things show up, and I was given the instruction, uh, here's your devices, learn them, start teaching them. So. I think we got our first copy of Megadots at that time. We got the VersaPoint embosser, and we got a wonderful little device called the Braille and Speak, which was pure magic at the time. And that was just crazy to think that I could create files on this little device and hand that to my students and teach them how to use that. And they no longer had to carry a heavy Perkins around. The problem was, there weren't enough of them to go around and no one had enough in their budget to make sure that every student had one that needed one. And so we continued on with one foot on in the boat so to speak and one foot on the dock. So we were still living in that world of the Perkins Brailler and hard copy Braille and everyone got some exposure to technology. So fast forward many years later, moved to Washington, became the principal there at the school, and fortunately, we got to the point where every student had access to technology, and all our, all our users became very adept with many tools, uh, many different types of note-takers. We saw that progression. We saw the progression of software. We saw the, I remember when the first copy of JAWS rolled out, um, remember the many different types of uh, refreshable Braille displays that came out, and we were kind of a a beta testing site for a lot of agencies, so uh, Freedom Scientific would send us their stuff before it was marketed, and um, Humanware would send us their stuff, and so we had a chance to test drive a lot of things, which was fortunate for our students and fortunate for us as staff. So we take that to where we are today, and over the next, so we're going to talk about technology, and I'm also going to kind of give you a position statement too, for, about APH and where we are going with technology. So over in the next few minutes, mm-hmm. I'm going to try to keep this short because you didn't really come here to hear me talk. You came here to be with friends. but I want to cover three things. kind of the outside view of technology and uh, the impact on the blindness community. And then I'm going to talk about the APH response. And then I'm going to fi- finish with what do I call the probable future, what we hope to c- happens. So the outside view. If you talk to the world, uh, the other day on Facebook, they had a thing about uh, Facebook was now going to start uh, giving, basically tagging every photo that came up on Facebook, so that someone with no vision would be would know what was in the photo, what was happening. So that's that's exciting, isn't it? That's great. That's fantastic. And then a little while after that, if you just watch your, if you watch your news feeds, I didn't, I didn't hear that, but I'm sure it'll come back around. Um, if you watch your news feeds, and if you if you keep an ear to the ground, you're hearing about a lot of these great things that are going to happen for the world of blindness, all being created by people who have never experienced that or don't know anyone who's blind, and. Heaven forbid we actually tried that product with someone who was blind or visually impaired to get some feedback on it. And so from the outside world looking in, you you see a lot of these stories that say, we've arrived. You know, the playing field has been leveled. People with vision impairment now have access to everything that their sighted counterparts now have. And we know that that's not true. a few months ago, there was an article that came out, and our, our one of our board members was so excited they sent it to all the executive team at APH. And this was a uh, actually was a, a shorter version of a, a technology blog uh, called Mindspring, and the title of this article was "This Ring Lets Blind People Read Non-Braille Books." And this isn't I, I, I'm not bad mouthing the device. It's it's not that it's a bad idea. But the long and the short of it, it was a, uh, basically a little reader, optical, it's basically an optical scanner that you wear on your finger, and as you follow along, it gives you haptic feedback, telling, telling you where to keep your finger on the correct line, and then it reads the text back to you. Well, this article took that and said, uh, I'm going to share just a few things from it, but it says... Uh, One of the problems with Braille is that it's typically printed in specialist books aside from the copies created for sighted people, meaning that those with sight difficulties can't borrow their friends' books and need to seek out the bookstores and libraries that cater for them. In the past, we've seen such projects as Thailand's Mr. Light and Mr. Dark, which use special typography to enable the blind and non-blind to read the same book. Now, the finger reader Initiative from MIT provides visually impaired readers with a wearable ring that can scan written text and read it out loud. Um, Sounds great, right? So, And then it goes on to explain how it works. And then towards the end of the article, it makes some sweeping statements. It says, the team has already created a working prototype. And they have a video that shows that. But it's still in the early stages of development. The researchers hope that they can bring the device to market. And if they're successful, the device could render Braille redundant. And so, but when you go to the actual MIT site, where they posted their findings, their trials, and their errors, they had this to say about their thing. Um, MIT Lab does not make claims that Braille is redundant or dead. This approach has been introduced before, using embedded magnets to provide haptic response assisted by camera control. And they go on to talk about this device, if they can get it to market will not replace Braille, but will be one more tool in the toolbox to help people with visual impairments to access, say, a menu or a business card. But the idea was not to replace Braille. But this is kind of the problem we have right now in our world, is we live in this great time where people are very philanthropic in there and people are missional. What I mean by that is, it's been a long time. If you remember the, for some of you old enough, remember the 60s? That was a time of a a great concern for humanity. You saw the Peace Corps established. You saw a lot of effort um, happening. We saw a lot of civil rights things happening, but there was this concern for the world in general. Well, we've kind of hit that stage now, especially with the youngest population, what they call the millennials, which are very mission-oriented people. They want to make the world a better place. That's more important to them than making money. And so you have all these bright young minds at universities that are developing these wonderful tools. And these tools have some promise. But as we know, if there's not a market, a lot of time, these tools never make it outside the university. So that's kind of the reality we're working with. There's, there's some things that are happening which are fantastic, and, but they're really not getting off the ground. So at APH, what are we seeing? Well, one thing we know that Braille is not redundant or Braille is not dead, and, and I'm going to talk a little bit about that and just give you some of our, our numbers. Um, so if you look at, we are working on both. We're promoting and pushing Braille literacy, hard copy print Braille. We're also working on developing technology, and I'll talk more about that in a minute. But we positioned ourselves to respond to either need. The prediction, we had predictions with, I mean, if you look at our board reports from a few years ago, there was a lot of bold predictions, even within our own company, as the refreshable Braille devices were becoming very prominent, that we were going to see these huge declines in Braille sales. And we just thought that this is the way the world was going to go. We would see that our textbooks fall off and the need for Braille. Um, but that hasn't been true. So much so that uh, last year, if you look at just Braille pages, hard copy Braille pages, we produced 1,314,927 hard copy embossed Braille textbook pages. That was just last year. And if how that translates into sales is over, it was near 5.378 uh, million dollars in Braille sales last year. If you jump back to 2011, it was 3,740,000 dollars. And if you go all the way back to 2004 to last year, we see an 80 percent jump in sales in Braille. So what does that tell us? It tells us a couple things. It tells us that there's a demand for Braille, Tells us that Braille is not hard copy Braille. Traditional hard copy Braille is not going away. That there's actually a bigger push for Braille, and despite all the technology that exists, we're not ready to give up our Braille. Which, as a school teacher, makes me very happy. So I was doing some research today, and one thing I found out that, you know, why does that make sense? Well, if you look at the sales of ballpoint pens in America last year. The estimate is that 1.5 billion ballpoint pens were sold in America last year. So if you equate that with the need for Braille, just because we have computers and tablets that the sighted community uses, no one's giving up their ballpoint pens. No one's giving up their notebooks. Libraries are still full of books. No one's giving up their printed books. Printed books are selling pretty close to what electronic books are selling. In fact, uh, a recent study that was done, it was a small-scale study of about a 1,000 students, they asked college students, which do you prefer, the e-books or a print book? And 60% said they preferred to have printed material in their hand. So as an agency like APH, we're very cognizant of that, and we plan on supporting both hard copy Braille and electronic devices that will allow us to move forward with electronic Braille digital files. So that's kind of where we're going there. So let's talk future. So what's going on with APH? Couple things. Uh, Today we got this wonderful device. Um, I make it sound like, hey, it just happened. It didn't just happen. There's been a team working for the last four years, and uh, members of this team include Perkins, Uh, NFB, Royal National National Institute for the Blind out of England, Canadian National Institute for the Blind, uh, the French organization, and APH. And there's been this team working on producing a Braille reader, 20-cell Braille reader. It's not a personal note-taker, but it does have Bluetooth, so you can pair it with a device. It does have a spot for a smart card so that you can put files onto it and use it for a reader. And the purpose of this little reader was enable to get Braille into third world countries that don't have access to a lot of hard copy Braille. We also think there's going to be a big demand in this country as well. And the goal of this was to produce this device and be able to market it and sell it for about $400. So we're excited about that. We think that's going to send a shock wave through the uh, hardware community. Um, And that should be, we're going to start uh, the field testing on that in the next few weeks. And we have a number of those devices coming in. And then the goal is to have those available to uh, the community, uh, hopefully spring of 2016. In the meantime, we're also working on a Braille tablet. It's going to be a, a 60 by 40 display. And it's going to basically work the same way a screen would work. So a computer monitor would work. So if there is a, a diagram, is if there is a image on the screen, this will also come up on that tactile tablet. And so we're just in the prototype stages of that. We got to see that about a month ago. We're very excited about that. We're probably about uh, nine months from getting the actual full-functioning prototype out to the field for testing. Um, so we probably I'm thinking at APH they say never say when it's going to come out Just say next fall or <laughs> in the fall um, best guess is probably gonna be spring 2017 before that hits the market now we're excited about those things but I I'm hoping what happens from this is when we get these devices out into the market we see the market do two things one become responsive and drop prices on their products. We're trying to disrupt the market a bit. And number two, we're hoping that this inspires a whole new push to take technology to the next level. We really haven't seen. Most of the technology that's out there in our in our devices is, you know, it's old technology. It's not real new. There's some work being done uh, right now with liquid, pla- uh, that's not the correct, correct word, but basically a liquid uh, plasma interface that raises and lowers the screen. There's a couple other devices. Of course, the piezoelectric rods and wires are still being used, but we're looking at new ways to get information quickly to readers, and so we're hoping that these devices help create a new revolution in that. So that's what we're doing, and But even beyond that future, what we're starting to do is look at agencies that are not blindness related. We're trying to find out what is the future. And so a lot of that is coming from universities. I already talked about MIT that's doing some great work. There's some great work happening at Carnegie Mellon right now with uh, indoor navigation, which is one of those holy grail things we're reaching for at APH as well. But this idea that a user would be able to go through and with an app on their smartphone would get real-time feedback of, as we know we can do this outside, there's many programs that do that. Sendero's program, uh, APH's nearby Explorer, you can do that on the outside. But coming into a building like this and getting real-time feedback as you move down the hall and it says, you're now at Ballroom A, bathrooms are up on the right, you're now at Ballroom B, you know, and would explain to you, give you that indoor navigational prompts, that's what we're shooting for. This is available right now if you go through a building like this and place beacons in corners, or if you put in RFID chips in certain parts of the building. The real goal is how to get GPS mapping on the inside of a building. So we are talking with a couple of universities about that too, Uh, people smarter than ourselves that uh, know how this kind of stuff work. And they are in the beginning stages of working with that technology. So I think that's something that's probably going to roll out in the next two to five years, which we're really excited about. Whether that comes from us, we don't, we don't have to be the first with that idea. I just want someone to develop that idea. But that's to me, that's exciting. Another thing that's happening right now in technology, I was meeting with the uh, University of Central Florida, and they're working on avatar interfaces. And what an avatar is. Um, for those of you who have the iPhone 6 and you have Siri, Siri kind of works as an avatar. You can ask Siri what's the weather? Siri tells you the weather, you know it's sunny outside, grab your coat. you can tell Siri a joke. But where this is going with artificial intelligence, and they're thinking probably three to five years away, is that you will, everybody, not just people with additional needs, anybody can have their own personal avatar. So It would basically work through your phone. It could be wearable technology, such as a shoulder-mounted camera, a lapel camera. But basically, what that avatar would do would be providing you real feedback as you interact with your world. So as you came in, if for the student who came into the classroom, say a student with a, a severe learning disability, As they came into the classroom, it it might say to them, the teacher is writing today's homework on the board. Would you like me to read it to you, or should I save it to your homework file? Now, that sounds very Star Trekian, okay? and it's exciting stuff, but they're starting to build the interfaces for that type of thing. And they're saying that this is probably going to happen within three to five years, and it'll be common software on everyone's phone, this type of thing. That's exciting. That's exciting when you start to think about how that's going to benefit this community. So our goal is we are finding these people, these think tanks, and we're trying to get in on the ground floor saying, hey, we are a small company, but we have some expertise. Can we meet with you and just hear about your wonderful ideas and talk about the impact your device will have on the blindness community? So our goal is to get in at the designing level so that we get in at the beginning when they're putting this all together so it doesn't become an afterthought. Because usually, if a product goes to market and then we want it adapted, we're talking about a two to five year lapse in time before that product's available for the blindness community. So we're trying to be very uh, productive. We're trying to be very proactive and identify those kind of things. The last thing I, I'm going to share with you right now, um, and then I will wrap up this talk about future and technology, one of the big movements right now is in haptic interfaces. Now, for those of you who have a smartphone and your phone buzzes, that's a haptic interface. You know, anytime, you get some, anytime you get some feedback, other than verbal, from a device that tells you to pay attention, that's a haptic interface. There are several programs, uh, mobility programs, that do that as you walk with you, you know, as you're walking with your cane. Your phone will give you some feedback. Um, but where this is going is we're looking at what's happening in the world of gaming. Almost all new technology is being born in the field of gaming. And what I mean by gaming, I'm talking about your PlayStation, uh, Xbox online PC gaming all the great ideas are coming from there you now can buy full body suits or partial body suits that provide you haptic feedback so if you're in one of those combat games you you can get actual physical haptic feedback so if someone like if you're in one of these punching games you get punched you actually feel compression against your body The cool thing that's happening, now, I'm not so much for getting punched. I don't like that idea of someone punching me. But what's happening is they're starting to develop gloves that have haptic, basically they're haptic interface gloves. And they have sensors in all the fingers and in the palms and on the back of your hands so that when you are in this computer world, you can feel rain falling on your hand, even though no rain is falling on your hand. You can handle an object, say, a picture of an elephant, and feel. You can spin that object and feel three-dimensionally what's going on with that. So you take that, what's happening in the gaming world, and this may be five years down the road. This may be 10 years. This may never happen. But our goal is we're, we're trying to reach out to these companies and talk with them and saying, can we have access to that code? Can you teach us how to use this device? Is there some way that we could tie that haptic interface into a digital book. Because if we can tie that in with a digital book, any surface becomes your tablet. Any surface becomes your digital book. So as you flip a page, and the reader reads what's on that page, and you get that alt tag message saying, picture, of, a, picture of, a, of Mount Everest, you should be able to then, with those gloves, feel The relief of Mount Everest and get an idea and that's kind of where the gaming future is going and so now we're trying to feed that back and tie that into education and try to look at that now I have all these great ideas and all these great things that are possibilities or the probable future but what I'm hoping is that if we can get to these companies now we can talk to them now we can open up a world not only for our community but we can open it up to all the community, and so that uh, um, this will benefit mankind on the whole, not just the blindness community. So it's some exciting times. There's still a lot of challenges out there. We've got the 3D printing revolution, which is supposed to hit in the next three to five years. Um, Some of you have played around a little bit with 3D printing. And the simple things are, hey, you can get a 3D printing file to make a comb. Uh, If you've got a 3D printer, or a cane tip, or a cane handle, or a uh, diagram of a germ, or a virus, but probably even bigger yet, there's some work being done right now with some agencies that will do full relief portraits. So any photograph can be built up into a uh, 3D portrait. So we don't know how that's all going to play in, but we're looking at that. We have a uh, And it's also possible through through spatial recognition to build in sensors so that as you move your hand across that 3D object, it'll tell you actually what you're feeling. So, a lot of cool stuff happening. A lot of it is still in prototype stages, and a lot of it's still in the dream stages. But it's an exciting time. It really is. So, future looks bright. Um, I have a lot of predictions. I don't, you know, but I like I said, I I'm an end user. I'm, I'm not the, the person creating the code, so will those come true or not? I sure hope so. I sure hope so. There's a lot of people smarter than myself that are spending a lot of energy on making this stuff happen. So, um, but what we'll do at APH is, is we'll try to marry the two together, and then get that, make that available to our customers, and that's that's it. So. A lot of cool stuff. Lots of things. You're quiet, so you're thinking, and that's good. You know, we're all envisioning a more exciting world, which is fantastic, uh, and and I think that's going to be a very real world. All right. Okay. Well, I hope I didn't steal the air out of the room, but it's some cool stuff, and I'm that's it. That's all I've got to share with you right now. A lot of dreams, and a lot of hopes. <laughs>
1: Deanna Scoggins was were chairman of the awards committee, and uh, she has an award to make tonight.
3: I'd like to thank the members of my awards committee, and we have an award tonight. It is the James Carl Dotson Award, and this is awarded for um, community service and community involvement, and the person that we're giving this award to has certainly been involved in the community. My first story about this person was, I had a foster child at the school for the blind, and uh, this person came in and he said, uh, "Oh, you're having soup tonight. Can I have your soup?" And the the girl said, "Well, uh, yeah, you're the you're the you work at APA. Are you, yeah, I guess you can have my soup." And then he came back a minute later and he said, "Well." Now I don't have a spoon to eat your soup with. Can I have your spoon? And uh, she said, yeah, I guess. Of course, he gave it back to her. Well, that was my first encounter with this person. Um, Since then, I've worked with him at APH, and he's very friendly and very nice and everything. And so tonight, we'd like to give the James Carlton Award to Tuck Tinsley. And we have Brock Persons here to read the plot.
4: It says, James Carl Dotson Award presented to Dr. Tuck Tensley III at the 50th Golden Years Convention of the Kentucky Council of the Blind for his years of exemplary leadership and service as a teacher, administrator, president of the American Printing House for the Blind, partner and friend of all people who are blind and visually impaired throughout the nation, and the world on Friday, November 13th, 20th, 2015. That's it.
1: <laughs> Craig can, I Craig can take it? please take it. Yeah. Craig could
2: not be here tonight. He's actually in Florida at, at a uh, another presentation and uh, it, involving some family members, uh, so, but he wanted me to express his gratitude for the award. Uh, this is. Uh, Long being a partner with you all, this was very important to him, very special to him, and he wanted to make sure I conveyed that to all of you. So thank you very much.
5: Find books and more in accessible media with APH's free-of-charge Louis database. HTTP colon slash slash LOUIS.APH.org. Locate accessible educational materials from nearly 200 different agencies. APH products and textbooks can also be located using Louis. New extended searching now available with free Louis Plus. Visit soon. Http://louis.aph.org. Many book materials help Braille users jot notes quickly. Pull APH's mini book braille binder out of your pocket and begin to write on the mini book slate in just seconds. Materials are sold separately so that you can choose the combination that's right for you. Call the American Printing House for the Blind, toll free, 800 223 1839, or visit www.aph.org.
0: page
1: three. We're going to go ahead and get started. I'd like to welcome everybody to Christmas with the council this year. We've got uh, the different chapters uh, doing different things tonight, so it should be a fun time. A little later, Santa's going to come for the big kids and little kids. The food should be out momentarily. Uh, for those that don't know what's on the menu tonight, It's ham, mashed potatoes, green beans, corn, and gingerbread cake. So it should be scrumptious. And so at this time, I'm going to ask Bill Detheridge to say a prayer.
6: Our dear God, thank you for this food that we're about to receive, and thank you for the privilege of being here tonight and everyone being able to get out and come to enjoy this. We ask you to bless us food. In your name we pray. Amen.
1: Merry Christmas, everybody, from the kitchen staff. We would like to ask you guys to please go to your seats. You guys enjoy. Thank you. Uh like to let you know what's going to be happening in the next few minutes. This, as we've said, this is a four-chapter party. So we decided, since the chapters were small, that we'd include all the chapters and the Christmas party called Christmas with the Council. So the library users group is going to be doing the story. Guide Dog users is providing music. And Next Generation is going to be in charge of the game this evening.
7: Sue Ellen Milo is going to be reading the story. Um, this is A Visit from St. Nicholas by Clement Clark Moore. Twas the night before Christmas and all through the house. Not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. The stockings were hung by the chimney with care in hopes that St. Nicholas soon would be there. The children were nestled all snug in their beds while visions of sugar plums danced in their heads. And maman and her kerchief and I in my cap had just settled our brains for a long winter's nap. and eight tiny reindeer with a little old driver so lively and quick I knew in a moment it must be Saint Nick more rapid than eagles his coursers they came and he whistled and shouted and called them by name now Dasher now Dancer now Prancer and Vixen on Comet on Cupid on Donner and Blitzen to the top of the porch, to the top of the wall, dash away, dash away, dash away all. As dry leaves that before the wild hurricane fly, when met with an obstacle mount in the sky, so up to the housetop the coursers they flew, with a sleigh full of toys, and Saint Nicholas too, And he looked like a peddler just opening his pack. His eyes how they twinkled, his dimples how merry. His cheeks were like roses, his nose like a cherry. His droll little mouth was drawn up in a bow. And the beard of his chin was as white as the snow. The stump of a pipe he held in his teeth and the smoke it encircled his head like a wreath. He had a broad face and a little round belly that shook when he laughed like a bowl full of jelly. (laughs) He was stubby and plump, a right jolly old elf, and I laughed when I saw him in spite of myself. A wink of his eye and a nod of his head soon gave me to know I had nothing to dread. He spoke not a word, but went straight to his work and filled all the stockings, then turned with a jerk and laying a finger aside of his nose and giving a nod up the chimney he rose. He sprang to his sleigh, to his team gave a whistle and away they all flew like the down of a thistle. But I heard him ex- him exclaim ere he drove out of sight, "Happy Christmas to all, and to all a good night."
1: Good okay. I'm going to introduce. Amanda's going to tell you what game they're playing or how they're uh, yes. how we're going to do it.
5: Here we go. Okay, so the first thing you all need to do, I'm gonna give you a couple minutes to do this. Each team needs to think of a team name for their table. Look around at your table, because those are your teammates for the game you're gonna be playing tonight. We're gonna be playing Jeopardy.
7: My name is no longer Amanda Salm, it's Alex Trebek.
5: All right, okay. Now, um, so that, okay, so, and it is not traditional Jeopardy, it is Christmas Jeopardy. Seven Chihuahuas at Christmas. Seven
6: Chihuahuas Chihuahuas at Christmas.
5: Santa's elves.
6: Santa's elves, elves. oh cute.
3: Mixed Nuts. Nuts. <laughs> 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 we are the dingalings. The, the dingalings. Say it one more time.
5: Ding-a-ling.
2: Dingalings. Dingalings.
3: Dingalings. Okay, okay, so I have frosty spiders, chimneys, Christmas papers, Patty's elves, tree toppers. The snowmen, the reindeers, mixed nuts, Santa's elves, seven chihuahuas at Christmas, dingalings, and the Grinch. Did I miss anyone?
5: We're going to have five categories, and then within each category, there are five questions Christmas carols for 400. Christmas carols for 400. The Apartment of Two Psychiatrists.
6: Hmm.
5: (laughs) (laughs) Alright, anybody else want to take a shot at it? What is known as The Apartment of Two Psychiatrists? Oh come on you all, think of what psychiatrists do. ( subtraction) (laughs) Nutcracker? What? <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> the Nutcracker, I'll give you that one. Yes, the nut. what is the Nutcracker sweet?
1: All right, it's time for Christmas caroling. Do you want your cake? We're going to Yes. Okay. <laughs> <There you> go. <laughs>
0: Don't um, go, um, 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 um.
6: Don't go out, cause I'm telling you why Santa had to catch a cab to town. It's sleigh and a car. We're involved in a crash. No one was hurt, but the sleigh shirt sure got smashed. That's why Santa had to catch a cab to town. Go ahead, brother. Sit. So please, let's clear the highways. Help out for good. Say, you reckless buns, stay off the road. Give Saint Nick a break. I'm asking that you better watch out, you better not drive. Please don't go out I'm telling you why. Santa had to catch a cab to town. That's all right, but what would he have in that cab? four boards were loaded with iPads and Kindles and apples and oranges stacked up to the windows. Santa had to catch you, to town. He had clothing and jewelry all crammed in the trunk and the roof rack was loaded with all kinds of junk. Santa had to get to you, get town. rain to get him from here to there So forget those milk and cookies folks You'll need cash to pay the fare <laughs> Better watch out, you better not drive Please don't go out because I'm telling you why Santa had to catch the captain town But what happened to those reindeer? He left Dasher and Dancer in Lima, Peru. Prancer and Vixen up in Kalamazoo. Santa had to catch a cab to town. Well, Comet decided he'd stay in Dallas. Cupid's residing in Buckingham Palace. Santa had to catch a cab to town. Now. Donner's in Altoona, Blitzen's in St. Paul, Rudolph joined the CIA, One that red nose finds them all. (laughs) You better watch out, you better not drive. Please don't go out, cause I'm telling you why. Santa had some trouble, but he's still gonna come around.
4: all right well here we are again for another christmas with the council and santa's been doing this for a long time we had uh once again got all the reindeers parked out at the uh, louisville international airport ups as usual is taking care of santa's reindeers ups always does a good job they make sure that the Elves have their water and everything that they need while Santa makes his visits throughout the town. We've been all over the place today, and so we're wrapping things up here with you guys tonight. So, has everybody been behaving themselves? Well, I know some of you, I know some of you got a little work to do, but you got time. So, you got a few more days yet. Yeah, I know you're all pointing fingers at one another now as to who's going to have the work to do. Husbands are pointing at the wives, and wives are pointing at the husbands, and we know how that goes, but it's been a busy year. All the elves are busy working on the toys, and all the contracts that we have out with the different companies. You know, because elves, we make the old-fashioned toys. We don't. We don't always do the electronic stuff, so... But uh, Rudolph is ready to go, and so everything is on time for Christmas Eve, so we should be able to see all the young ones here, no problem. Everything is on, on track and ready to go. And I think we have some presents to give tonight, by the way, so we're going to get an early start. Santa this is River that I've got here. River come up to see me, so. And she wants a monster doll, she says.
5: Monster high doll. monster
4: high doll. Yeah, well These I will get, get that
0: River? for you, yeah.
4: okay? You been good things? this yeah. year? I know you have. I know you. Have. All right. River says she's been good this year, so that and I know she has, so she will she will probably have her doll waiting for her on Christmas morning, I would say. Who's next? Who we got here? How are you?
7: I'm eight.
4: Don't look mad, be glad.
7: <laughs>
4: Destiny Destiny. I love the name Destiny. That's a great name. What do you want for Christmas?
2: Shopkins.
4: Shopkins. Well, I think we can do that. I saw a bunch of those out this year so far, so we got a bunch of those that uh, the elves have been working on. Those are the one things that we can make, so we've been working on a bunch of those. So have you been good? Of course you have. I know you have. You always are good. That's why I always come to see you every year. So you be good for the rest of the time, and I'll get you those right on the way Christmas morning. How about it? Sounds good to me. We'll get her done. (laughs) We will do it. All right. She's been good, too, so she's got her Christmas wish in, so. All right. Who do we got? Stephen. Stephen. What are you? Stephen, I remember when you were little, 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 little. What is it that everybody's wanting to get our picture? What do you want for Christmas, Steven? I want a new wrestler new and wrestler. Yeah. and I
3: want
7: and and a um thing like it's a is a um robot. A
4: robot? Yeah. What kind of wrestler? There's all kinds of wrestlers. Which one do you want?
7: Sharon, Cara. Oh,
4: okay. Alright, that'll work. I can do that for you. You've been good, I know, right? All mm-hmm. year long? Been doing your chores? And yep. All that good stuff? I, I believe you. I know you have. Well, I'll get you a wrestler on Christmas morning. How about it? Yeah. Sounds good to me. Alright, you have a good one. think we got a present for you, too. Alright, who do we got? Come on up here. Who do we got? What's your name? Peyton. Hey Peyton. Mm-hmm. Peyton, all right. We got Peyton up here. Peyton, what do you want for Christmas? Mm, toys. Well, what type of toys? Uh. You make it too easy for Santa that way, see. what you really want. What do you really want? Um. The most, the biggest thing. <laughs>
5: what she said.
4: The Power Ranger. What is it? Mega Sword. Megazord. Oh, there's a Megazord, too. So now there's a Megazord, too. That's the biggest thing you want? hmm Well, have you been good? Yes. And done all your chores? Yes. And everything you're supposed to do? Yes. I know you have. I'll get it for you Christmas morning. How about it? Yes. Sounds good to me. All right. We'll do it. Okay. A Megazord it is. Power Rangers. Those have been around for a while. I like the Power Rangers, so we we'll get that going for you. No problem. Here you go. Oh, a little Annabelle. one. Annabelle. Oh no 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 oh, no! Come on, Annabelle.
6: A, Annabelle,
4: it's not a happy Annabelle. <laughs> Goodness. It it's happens. okay. It's it happens. It happens. I think we need to do a little up on the housetop or something while we are getting ready to pass out these gifts. What do you think? Everybody sing a little up on the housetop. Out jumps good old Santa Claus.
0: Ho
4: ho ho. Up on the housetop, flick, 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 down through the chimney with good St. Nick. All right. Yes. No problem. Always glad to come to the
0: council Christmas parties. Page 4. The Sound Prince Calendar. December 11 is the next GLCB roundabout. Education and technology at 3.30, holiday traditions at 5, dinner $5 per person at 6.15, bingo $2 a person, games and crafts from 7 to 10. Gift wrapping will also be available at United Crescent Hill Ministries on State Street in Louisville. Call 502-895-4598 to sign up. On December 12, the Northern Kentucky Council of the Blind will have its Christmas party from 2 to 5 p.m. at Rema's Diner, 635 Madison Avenue in Covington. Bring a $10 gift for a man or woman if you're interested in participating in the gift exchange. For information, call Jerry Slusher at 859-781-7369. On December 18 is the last GLCB roundabout for the year education and technology at 3.30, gift wrapping and more holiday fun at 5, dinner at 6.15, $5 a person, and a carol sing, games and crafts at 7 p.m. At UCHM, call 502-895-4598 to sign up. And on December 19, the Eastern Kentucky Christian Council of the Blind will have its Christmas party at noon at the Ponderosa Steakhouse, 308 Morton Boulevard in Hazard. For information, call Joey Couch at 606-216-8033 or Frank Campbell at 606-693-9360. If you have questions about the Kentucky Council of the Blind or you need information on resources for people with vision loss, call us at 502-895-4598 or email us at kcb at kentucky acb Dot org.